Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Wonderful. Thank you, worship team. Great job. Ah, yeah, love Sunday. Welcome to church and a big shout out to everyone at home watching online. Maybe if we do it loud enough, they could actually hear us. Let's give them a big yell on three. One, two, three. Yeah! Wow. I can't see. It's my glasses. There we go. Wonderful. Ah. Last Sunday, we had a look at the events leading up to the Great Tribulation, and we breathed a sigh of relief because we realized we're not there yet. There's There's a fair bit to happen. We need a one world government. And we need the Antichrist to sign a treaty with Israel. And so we wiped our brow and thought, we're not there yet. And it also means because the mark of the beast is during the time, we don't have to worry about that either. And after today, I'm going to submit to you, we're not going to be there anyway. Because we're talking about the rapture. Now, the rapture is a little bit different in that the rapture is imminent. And when I say imminent, I don't mean immediate. I mean, there's nothing that needs to happen before the rapture happens. So it could happen in 100 years, or if I don't preach too well, it might just happen in the middle of me speaking as well. It could happen any time. So it's really good to know all about that, because the, the time could be very, very close. Ah, What is the rapture anyway? It's not mentioned in the Bible. Actually, the, the event is mentioned in great description in the Bible, but this is a word that we sort of pulled from the Latin, um, repere, which means to seize and to carry off. And it speaks about a time when Jesus will come back and all the born-again people who have died in Christ or who are living will be caught up in the air with Jesus bit controversial as to when it actually happens in the timeline of things. Some people might even think, I'm not even sure whether it happens. Have you got it right there, Fraser? So all we're going to do today is just look at Scripture, let the Holy Spirit unpack it for you. Okay, let's put the, the rapture in the timeline. Chronology of eschatology. Sounds like a virus or something, doesn't it? <laughs> But um, this is put together by Arnold Frutenbaum in his book, The um, Footsteps of the Messiah. Messianic Jew really knows his stuff. So on the next slide there, and I'll see if I can talk you through it. I love this. For me, I'm visual, and this gives me a snapshot of what's happening in a, in a single thing. We have the cross over there on the left-hand side, and that is... Calvary, that's when Jesus died on the cross. And that was the beginning of the church age. And the church age has continued for well over 2,000 years and has whatever else has to be added on to that timeline. So that's the arch, the church age, where we're living at the moment. Where that arch finishes, we have the beginning of the tribulation, the signing of that covenant, and that goes for seven years. And over those two arches is this big arch which says the dispensation of grace. And basically all that means is at any point during that time, you can accept Jesus and inherit eternal life. 
Now, that little grey area that comes up towards the end of the church age is where Arnold and I would place the rapture, the stealing away of, of God's kids before the tribulation. So if you need an overall visual, that's everything that's going to happen in a snapshot. Let's have a look at the actual event of the rapture. And we're looking at um, John 14, 1 to 3. And I, I just want to stop at the heading that I've got up there. It says, we'll say, Jesus comforts his disciples. Now that's a heading that we've put in, but I just want to take a breath at that point. Oh, this is a, a comforting time. And the first thing out of Jesus' mouth is, do not let your hearts be troubled. And later on, we're going to read a verse, um, and, and Paul actually says, with the events of the rapture, encourage one another. So comfort, encouragement, and do not let your hearts be troubled. And that should be about the, all the end times events. It's, a, it's an exciting thing to look forward to. I mean, Titus, in the book of Titus, it says, this is our blessed hope to see Jesus face to face. This is the one event in history that all scripture has been anticipating and, and looking forward to. I mean, it's great that I can pray to Jesus and I can hear from him. I, I want to hug him. I want to hug him. And I want to see my great aunt who was at the Billy Graham crusade in 59 and she passed away. And some of you have got um, kids that you've lost and some of you have got parents and, and friends and, and awesome relatives that died in Christ. And we want to see them again Amen. after we hug Jesus. What an exciting time this is. This isn't a, a concern for us. Oh no, the end times are coming. Yes, great. Oh. And uh, let me just unpack the rest of this. My father's house. This is how his disciples were saying, you're going somewhere and you keep saying you're going somewhere and we don't know where you're going and we don't know how to follow you. So how, if we don't know how you're going to, where you're going, how are we going to get there? And this is how he comforts them. My father's house has many rooms. Actually, I'll back up a bit. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. So there's a bit of a clue there. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to the Father and I'm going to come back so I can be where you are. He said, I'm going to the Father, but I'm coming back so that you can be where I am. So our first place of citizenship from Philippians is actually in heaven. But this model, Jesus, how are you going to come back for me? I've got to get an elevator somewhere. I'll oh, look, Fraser, I'll send an Uber for you or something like that. This is the model of Jesus returning for his brothers and sisters. This is the Jewish marriage pattern. So you would find that special woman and then you would get all excited and you go back to your father's house and you would build a room on your father's house and you'd go, it's done, there's a place for her to live and you would rush back, grab your wife, bring her back, wedding celebrations and everything and there's the place for her to be. So Jesus is saying the manner in which I'm coming back for you, 
There's no less excitement or love or passion than for a Jewish man who's coming to get his bride. I'm coming back for my bride, the church. What a wonderful, loving, relational thing, manner in which isn't a more beautiful way for Jesus to return to us and grab us and steal us away. Okay, let's have a look at um, 1 Thessalonians 4. Starting from verse 13. Now, what had happened here, we can assume, is Paul's pretty excited about this too. So he went to the church in Thessalonica at some stage and he said to them, this is what the rapture will look like. Jesus is coming back for his bride and they got all excited. But since then, some of the brothers and sisters in Christ had died and they thought, oh no, they're going to miss out. They're going to miss out on all this wonderful event And so he comforts them in this way. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, those who had passed away since, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus rose and died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him, all our brothers and sisters that have died. According to the Lord's word, We tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, until the rapture, will certainly not precede those that have fallen asleep. In other words, don't worry about your brothers and sisters that have passed away. We won't experience the rapture before them. They will experience the rapture before us. First mode of operation, resurrect those that have passed away, then grab the kids that are still living. So they're not going to miss out. They're actually going to experience it before we do. Another wonderful image. And then Paul begins to unpack the event. Reading from verse 16. He goes to such trouble to itemise everything that is going to happen in the rapture. Obviously it's important for us to know. And it's comforting for us to know. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Okay, brothers and sisters are going first if they've, if they've passed away. When you look at the Greek, there are militaristic terms in here. Not surprising because Paul says, you know, put on the full armour. He used a lot of militaristic metaphors. This is synonymous with a commander coming out of his tent. One day Jesus, our commander, will come out of his heavenly tent and he will issue the order. And what will the archangel say? He'll probably just repeat the order because the job of the angels is to put into place the will of God. So it's a bit like one of those John Wayne movies. You can imagine the commander coming out and going, all right, everyone, we're getting out of here. And then the sergeant will come out with his big cigar, pull it out and go, you heard the man, everybody out of here, hustle, hustle, hustle. So this is how we can interpret this verse. Jesus comes down, the archangel reinforces the command. We don't know what the command is. What would I like it to be? I'd like like it to be something, imagine God who lives outside of time. Time, you know, one second, one day is a thousand years to him, but all of a sudden he gets to that point and just says, enough, go and get my kids. 
go and get my kids. And Jesus gives the command and the archangel kicks in and whooshka. And, and then it describes the event. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Pretty specific. I'm just going to repeat that bit. We who are alive will be let, left will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Because it's important later on. And so we'll be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is the end time. This, as I said, this is everything that Scripture's been pointing to. Encourage people with it. So I hope if, if people are speaking to you about end times and about revelation and all that sort of stuff, you're being comforted, you're being encouraged, and your heart isn't being troubled. Because that's not God's intention. Okay. Now, here's a, here's a tricky bit. Timing of the rapture. <laughs> My wife's got the car engine running at the back just in case it doesn't go well. This is not a matter of salvation. Okay. But it's good to, it's good to pin it down. First of all, about the particular timing, it says from Mark, about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. And it makes sense. If we knew the time, we'd muck it up, wouldn't we? It's coming in two years. We could get up to all sorts of stuff in the two years and then the day before, just uh, I'll reconnect with Jesus now. Or He's coming now, three, two, one. Here's my wallet. I'll just drop it in the offering box. Here we go. Oh. We'd muck it up. First model, up the top, pre-tribulation is where I would place the rapture and, and Arnold. And we'll see why in a moment. So we see there's the cross. The big red arrow coming down is Jesus returning at the end of the tribulation to put an end to it and to kick off the millennial kingdom. Before the tribulation, if you can read the fine print, there's a little arrow going up from the bottom. That's us leaving the earth, coming up, meeting with Jesus, the blue cross coming down. And then the green arrow continues because we go up to heaven. We go to see the place that he's made for us. The second one is the mid-tribulation, which is basically the same thing, but it happens in the middle of the tribulation. Same pattern. I don't know what the thinking there is exactly. I'm not sure whether I want you to be there for the tribulation or not, seven-year period. Let's do three and a half, and we'll take you out then. Just get your feet a little bit in the lava and um, yoink you out. Give you a bit of a flavour for it. More problematic is the post-tribulation one, because you're going to knock heads with Jesus. If we're raptured at the end of the tribulation, he's coming down at the end of the tribulation to put an end to it and to start the millennial kingdom. We're going up. We meet with him coming down. Hi, everyone. Great to see you, Jesus. I want to look at that place that you've made for me. Yeah. We're going back to earth. Downstairs, haberdashery. Sorry, but it was really great. <laughs> Anyway, let's, let's dig into the scripture a little bit. Look at the timing of the rapture, whether it's before the tribulation or what. And Luke 21, 34, 36. Actually, before I read that, can I just make this point? When you look at um, the, the book of Revelation, the church is mentioned so many times. Chapters 1 to 3, church, 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 you do a word search lots of times. Chapters 
19 to 22, the church is mentioned a lot too. It's not mentioned from chapters 4 to chapter 18 at all. Church isn't mentioned once. What's happening during 4 to 18? It's the events on earth during the tribulation. And there's no mention of the church. That's just an observation for you to take in. I'll just raise one eyebrow. (laughs) But let's read from Luke. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. Important sentence here. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. I really wanted to say it will come on all those who live on the face of the earth except for the church. It will come on all those who live on the face of the earth except for the saints. It will come on all those who live on the face of the earth except for Fraser. But it doesn't. No escape. Be always on the watch. Pause button on that. Be always on the watch and pray that you might be able to escape all that is about to happen. All that is about to happen, not half of what's going to happen, all that is about to happen, that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. How do we get past this thing? God says, all that are on the face of the earth, which we are now, are going to cop this. Well, the rapture is the answer. Because what happens in the rapture? We're up in the clouds, caught up in the air with Jesus. We are off the earth. So if it comes on all those who are on the face of the earth, we're no longer there. That's how we escape it. And what do we do during the rapture? We're facing Jesus. We are standing before the Son of Man. So the rapture is the way out of these actual verses here. I just included that little post there. Jesus is coming October 28, 1992. Don't know what happened back then. Obviously an important time. Let's jump to Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 to 9. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that the day should surprise you like a thief. You are children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. When the Bible uses the term wrath, notice it doesn't say God did not appoint us to suffer hard times. God did not appoint us to suffer financial difficulties or struggles in our marriage or the coronavirus. When it talks about wrath, it's talking about God's judgment at the end of time. And so clearly this verse says we're not appointed to suffer that, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. What happens in the rapture? Scooped up, we don't suffer the wrath, and we have the salvation of Jesus himself. It's very interesting when Jesus taught us to pray. He gave us this beautiful model, this structure to use in our prayer life. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Um, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who forgive us, who sin against us. Don't say it fast. It doesn't work. And what's the next line? 
Lead us not into temptation, but to do Save us from the time of trial. Save us from the time of trial. He actually asks us to, to pray into that. Clearly not for us. Okay. And of course, we're in the book of Revelation, so let's pull a verse from Revelation. Revelation 3.10. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, this is a message to the churches from Jesus. I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on going to come on the whole earth to test the inhabitants of the earth. I will keep you from the trial that is going to come on the whole earth to test the inhabitants of the earth. Is it the coronavirus? It's on the whole earth. But no, that's not the trial, the great trial, the great tribulation. Because clearly we haven't been kept from the virus. But we will be kept from this moment. Now some would interpret this verse to say, the intention of Jesus is to protect us during this time. You'll be here during the tribulation, but I will keep you from the hour of trial. I will put a shield around you so you'll manage to get through it somehow. If that's our interpretation, we've got a big problem. Because from the beginning of the tribulation to the end of the tribulation, saints are being martyred left, right and centre in their multitudes. So if this verse just says, you're going to go through it, but I'll try and protect you, God's not keeping his word. And we know God keeps his word. Finally, as you can see, well, we have a lot of detail about the rapture itself. Have a look at Matthew 24, 37 to 42. This speaks about the manner of the collection. So you can see the way that we've jumped around um, from Luke to Matthew, Thessalonians, that the key to understanding Revelation is to be able to pull all these scriptures together and see them as a single passage. Let me read that to you. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. And then it goes on to describe what it will be like. And I put a few, couple of little pictures in there, old uh, medieval pictures. The manner of the collection. It, it's described in this way, in verse 40, two men will be in a field, one will be taken and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill, one will be taken and the other will be left. Fairly clear indication of the seizing and the carrying away. And some people speculate that it'll be our souls that are ripped out and there'll be all these bodies lying across the ground. We don't get that from Matthew. It doesn't say two were standing and I looked back and one was on the ground. It says there were two, then there was one. It's that quick in that twinkling of the eye. You know, one thing I've learned during the, the coronavirus, I've learned how to click and collect. Just thought that fitted in seamlessly. I throw the old uh, Visa card at the computer and then I go and get the stuff. And I tell you what, I'm going to get the stuff because I've, I've paid for it on the Visa, so I'm, it better be there. 
You know, Jesus paid the price on the cross. He's doing the big click and collect. If you pay the price, you're going to come and get your kids in a glorious, magnificent way, in a raptured way. We get the word rapture from this tremendous excitement and passion. What is our rapture as Christians? There's the rapture, but we're raptured that our God is coming back for us. Adam and Eve were pushed out of the garden. Jesus is going to come and bring us back. Let's pray. Father, the good news is Jesus is coming back. Thank you so much for that. The bad news is Jesus is coming back and we've got so much work to do. Lord, there are so many people that haven't heard the message of the cross. Lord, those brothers and sisters that the, the church in Thessalonica spoke about, we want so many people, as many people as possible saved, so that when they pass, they're going to be with you. We want as many people living to have a heart connection with Jesus, so when you come back, they'll be raptured up. And I, I remember... When I was a kid and I wasn't doing my homework, my father would say to me, son, look busy, Jesus is coming. And that's probably, it needs a bit of a tweak. Jesus is coming, so let's be busy about his kingdom. Let's be busy about justice in this world, about looking after people and spreading the message. And Lord, the gospel It's good news. Above all, let's give people good news. If they leave after speaking to us without a smile on on their face, we haven't done the right thing. And Lord, I just want to pray, I just feel a particular burden to pray for people in the church at the moment who, they've been coming to church for a while, they've been going through the motions, And they know how to pray. They know when to say amen. They can do the Pentecostal pats on the shoulder and and all that sort of thing. But they're coming because maybe their wife or their husband goes or their kids are here. But they haven't got that personal heart connection with Jesus. It's just a Sunday thing. It's just a motion thing. Lord, would you revive them? reinvigorate their spirits, reconnect them to Jesus. We don't want anyone left behind in this church when the rapture comes. Lord, we thank you that uh, you didn't make us and you headed off, but you're a personal God. You are so relational and you stayed. And when we fell, you found a way to come back. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey Fraser, just, I've, got, I've got time to ask one question, I wasn't here last week, but did you talk to the church last week about after the rapture and the tribulation, what will happen and how people can still become Christians during that period? No, no just we didn't. Can you a little bit about that? Yeah, okay, so my take on the, on the tribulation, we dealt with the events leading up to it. But as you saw by that little model there, we still have the dispensation of grace. You're still able to accept 
Jesus during that time. And though we won't be there for the tribulation, this is God's last opportunity to bring his kids into the kingdom. And as much as I'd like to think if I kept preaching for 100 years, eventually everyone would be a Christian. That's not going to happen. And so during that time, after we're out of the way, he will send certain events that will shake the world. But they're all clearly documented in the Bible. So the new church that will rise up will be able to say, okay, this has happened. This is the next thing to look for. Do you accept Jesus now? No? Okay, that's happened. Here's the next thing. This is the chance for God to really shake the world. It's not fire and brimstone. Now I'm going to get you. It's, okay, I've got my my church. Now I'm going to see who else is ready to, to come over. I liken it to... There was this wonderful story of Sheramin. Do you know Sheramin? A pigeon. During the Second World War, Sheramin was a, a carrier pigeon. Might be the First World War. Now in the Smithsonian Institute. Stuffed, though. But I think there were some American soldiers and they were pinned down and they had no hope of rescue and they had two carrier pigeons and one escaped. Sheramin was the second one and they got the note on its leg, you know, please... But this is where we are, help us. And it took off and just roosted in the tree above them. Didn't head off to deliver the message. And so they threw sticks at it. And then they threw rocks. And finally someone, though they were in danger, climbed up the tree, went out, shimmied out on the branch and just said, Go home! And to me this time of the Great Tribulation is God's sake. Come home. I'm going to shake this branch as hard as I can. It's not about punishment. It's not about judgment. That comes later. I just want to rattle you enough out of your complacency to have you connect with my son Jesus so that we can all be back as a family together. So certainly there is that opportunity during the tribulation. Come with me in the rapture but there's that opportunity. So it's important to be informed about the tribulation. It's important to inform our friends and family about it. And I know there's some people who have actually left little notes in their desk drawer that says, open this envelope if I disappear, and I'll tell you what you need to do. Thank you. Let's give me a hand. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.